0: If you have been following the Discover More journey, you know that I've been using Spotify for podcasters since 2020. Download the Spotify for podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters, spotify.com slash podcasters to start creating immediately. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built
1: on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. Hey, good morning, everyone welcome back to the podcast we hope you all had a great weekend this week we continue our conversation with christian buttrick one of the most interesting and well-rounded people we know christian tells the stories of the near-death experiences that made him question his life and inspired his move to chicago this leads to a discussion around the fragility of life the beauty of helping strangers and the importance of wiping the slate clean with the people you love We hope you enjoy this episode of Discover More with us and Christian Buttrick. Thank you.
0: Yes, very well said. And I want to kind of bring it home and circle back for some of the audiences. So it sounds like, Christian, you are almost creating this self-inflicted, self-induced survival mode. And what I mean by that is, whether you forcibly put yourself in this extremely cold shower mode, or whether you're using this kundalini yoga and putting your arms up in the air for five minutes, your arms get heavy and you're in this deeply uncomfortable state. In a way, it's like a micro or like a simple version of survival mode. Mm-hmm. And when people are in their survival mode, you don't have any spare mental energy or spare leisure or luxury to worry about everything else because you're surviving. Mm-hmm. And it's fight or flight response, right? It's almost like you found this simple way to manifest that mm-hmm. in, a, in a very simple daily, like day-to-day routines. Yeah. And I, I thought it was very powerful. And the reason why I bring that up because I am in the Army Reserve, as I mentioned on the show before, and I do my Army Reserve commitment once a month on the weekends. And I go into training in the force, in the military base, and I do like hurrah military stuff, right? And it's not fun. You don't have phones, you don't have access technologies. And it's like, some people find a lot of enjoyment in that process. I do sometimes, but I mainly do it because I committed it. And I get to see my Army friends once a month. But the one tangible effect, that I do feel aftermath is when I come home after a long weekend of training I have this profound gratitude in simple things of I have my old cold shower I get to shower you know when I go on trainings I don't get to shower for two days mm-hmm. and it is gnarly gross and I get to sleep in my own bed I get to eat what I want to eat I get to be on my phone Netflix the list goes on and on and I feel so much grateful every month after that And so even though I bitch and moan about arm reserve a lot of times because of so much bureaucracy and so much inefficiency that comes with it, it does uh, effectively instill gratitude in myself. And, you know, if I go a little bit deeper, it reminds me of two near-death car accidents I almost had this past year. And after those respective incidents or near incidents, I did something profound aftermath because it made me realize that life is so fragile. And I think we're caught up in this false bubble in a way that life is safe, everything is safe, and you can do whatever you want. But life is fragile. And our last guest, Matthias, you know, he did something incredible called Everest thing. And basically what that means is he has to go up and hill down and to achieve the altitude and the height of Everest Mountain, which is insane. So in translation he basically biked for fifteen hours straight and he cycled for 160 miles. Wow. over one consecutive period. It's insane. And he did that because he got into a cycling accident on that hill and he kind of wanted to, to as a mental override, to overcome quote-unquote trauma or the incident he had because it was a very big a- accident. And you know, and those near-death experience that gave me the power or the motivation to do something different or to step out of my comfort zone, which is what you did through the cold shower, through the Kundalini yoga, or whatever other practices you do, so I'm curious whether you had something similar experience in the past, if you had some sort of near-death experience, because I think many of us do, but not all of us have the humility or the perspective to reflect upon those experiences. Right? Yeah. And so if those did happen to you, what did you do about it? And just tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah. So, um, it's funny cause I had two near-death experiences in a car, uh, within the last year in some change as well and the first one I was with my buddy and I fell asleep at the wheel like late at night and you know luckily we hit a guardrail my car was you know crap afterwards um, and the second one I was driving up to see the girlfriend at the time in Wilkes Fair and it was really bad I hadn't changed my tires in a while this was in I believe this was in um, March or April of 2018 and uh, I I pretty much was on the three-lane highway to Wilkes-Barre and it was like late at night and it was slippery out it was ice on the roads and I was going 65 miles an hour uh, there were cars to the left and right of me and my car uh, did, like, did a complete hydroplane and turned while going 60 miles an hour where the front, the, the back end of my car turned completely sideways. So now my passenger door is facing where I'm going on the highway and, my, and the front of my car is facing the guardrail to the left. And I start to slide down the highway and then my car slides the complete other direction and straightens out. Um, as my car is drifting to the left and I smash into the guardrail on the opposite side of the highway, luckily no cars hit me, uh, on either side. I didn't have a scratch on me. It went in really slow motion. Um, and on the opposite side of the guardrail is like a a 40 foot ravine and like there was like trees and stuff. And like, so if I would have bursted the guardrail, you know, I would have been dead and, uh, you know, it, I mean, if I would have got hit by cars on either side, I'd have been dead. If my if my car flipped over, who knows? You know, it was a, it was crazy, and that didn't kill me either. And then, um, not not a couple weeks later, uh, I, this was around the time my dad invited me out to Chicago, and I. My dad was like, hey, you know, come out here and you, you know, you're not like, I wasn't doing that well in my career at the time. I had no interest in it at all. I wasn't giving any effort. I was comfortable with where I was, but I was just kind of like, it was just kind of like a melancholy existence. You know, you're just kind of going through the motions, trying to get through the day and, you know, do whatever you want to do to like fulfill yourself, whether that's sports or hanging out with people or, or any of that stuff. And So we had that conversation out in Chicago and my brother Trent came with me and he said, yeah, you know, you can use your degree and all that It maybe it might be a good thing for you. It might be a fresh start. And I, it went in one ear and out the other. I was like, there's no way I'm moving to Chicago and there's just none of that's happening. Uh, I don't feel like working for some, being in some corporate job and all that stuff. Uh, I just had no interest in it even though there was tons of possibilities there, you know. And uh, and my little brother at the time was like, dude, like, you can you can go out, you can come out here, man. And it'd be wonderful for you, man. because he went with me too. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't think so. So I come back home, and a couple weeks later, uh, I find out I get this this little mark on my arm. It kind of looked like a zit. I just, you know, I picked at it, but it didn't, like, operate like a zit. It didn't feel like a zit. It looked like a zit afterwards. And I was like, what is this? And then... A couple of days later it got worse and worse and i finally went to the doctor and he's like okay we'll give you some medication so i come home and start taking the medication but then the the swelling in my arm it, it was originally cellulitis is what it's called but then the swelling in my arm there was this red line that started to travel from the wound up into my arm up into my lymph system um once the and then i went back to the doctor one and went My mom saw that she's a nurse, so she was like, hey, you should go see him. And he saw that they admitted me to the hospital right away um, because if they if it traveled any further, it could have easily just killed me. So I went into the hospital over Memorial Day weekend. I believe that's in May. And um, I, you know, I was sitting there just feeling like absolute crap because they were feeling, you know, giving me really strong antibiotics through the IV. And like my body felt like I was on fire. And you know I couldn't sleep well. um The girlfriend at the time was just like, okay, she's she's going out the door, you know. So I was like, everything was just like, god damn it, dude, this fucking sucks. And you know, I just thought to myself, I was like, you know, if I were gonna if I was gonna die in this hospital like tonight, like, what in my life would I regret? And I thought to myself, well, you know what. I would regret not going to Chicago and not giving it a chance and not seeing where this life leads me because you know even as great as great as Bloomsburg is and how well it's treated me over the years you know it's just a small town you know there's so much possibility in the world and I would be robbing myself of uh, an amazing experience and certainly a growing experience if I didn't go so after I got out of the hospital after they cut my arm open while I was awake like removed all the infection and shot me up full lidocaine real uncomfortable experience was like losing all this blood i was like oh my god i can't even look i you know i called my dad that day after i got out of the hospital and i was like hey you know is that offer still on the table can you get me an interview and he's like you sure about this like i'm like yeah i'm sure and he's like okay i'll see what i can do and then the rest is history a couple months later i moved out there and uh it's been That's been a great, it it has paid off in leaps and bounds. It's been a great experience. And I, you know, all of those death experiences, you know, taught me something. Even in that car, I was like, I was like driving. I was like, and then when I finally crashed, I was like, man, what am I doing with my life? You know, but it took, it took a couple of them, I guess,
1: (laughs) to finally make me do something. So, yeah. That's a really powerful story. I personally can't share a near-death experience. I'm definitely grateful to have lived through, you know, a relatively safe uh, last couple of years. But I think even on a bit of more of a micro, it seems like sometimes when you're running at the wrong thing, even if it's like going to the wrong restaurant at a very micro level, call it the universe, a higher power, whatever you may associate with, but some roadblock is thrown into that. Like from what I'm hearing here, it's you were being super stubborn about not going to Chicago, right? You're just getting in your own head, in your own way, for the lack of a better word, right? And Mm -hmm. then these experiences, um, obviously, completely not completely tragic, but very tragic, Mm -hmm. but they ultimately bring you into the light of something that benefits you in a number of ways. So, you know, you did mention the move to Chicago. What has that prompted? What is life looking like in Chicago for you?
2: Well, life is looking great. You know, um, I... As far as jiu-jitsu goes, you know, I got to a way better school I went to a school called Valco Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It was the first school I visited and it's the only school I visited since in Chicago, I mean, it's it's everything I could ask for like it's a family. It's a community I feel like it's church when I go there. It's like somewhere I should be, you know, it, it's it's um, it's very religious um either the guys there are just understanding and great and they're just all beasts and killers like they can just do they're they're awesome athletes and a lot of them and they're just tournament winners and they're winning world championships two of my buddies jim and chris just won worlds at purple belt like two weekends ago and my buddy justin won bronze medal at worlds in black belt two weeks ago and then uh I got another friend who won a medal. Um, so it's just it's just an awesome crew of guys and I couldn't be more thankful for those guys. I mean, the head guy, Jay, is just an amazing person. He's just so intelligent, so understanding, he's so welcoming of anybody that comes in there. Like you, you don't need to wear a patch, you don't have to buy a patch, you don't have to buy his gi, he's just, you know he's just he's awesome and he's the perfect person to run a gym like that and because of that like we have amazing talent because people can be individuals there and it's not so hierarchical and you you feel comfortable with trying to roll with a brown belt you know and uh it's great but other than that you know i've gotten to have a better relationship with my dad because i didn't get to grow up with him you know i i you know went to his house during the holidays and in the summertime and saw him every other weekend so we had a relationship but beginning to know him as a, a man and then and he's a man obviously but getting to know him as an adult for me has been so cool and getting to spend time with my stepmom too it's just been a blessing that I like never thought was ever gonna happen um and then you know I met my girlfriend Aaron, who's just an amazing person like uh, I don't like to compare you know girlfriends or whatever but like because it's just uh, there's so many things wrong with that but like the best person I've ever dated you know by far and it's and she just makes me, she just makes me a better person. And I'm just so thankful for her. And like, she, you know, she's probably the love of my life. So I met her like a year ago. So we've been dating like over a year now and the um, longest healthy relationship I've ever had. So like a lot of things are going well. And you know, I uh, only took a couple of car accidents and some staph infection and make it happen.
0: Yeah, it's so powerful. And I just want to quickly acknowledge that your bravery is some sharing something vulnerable in public, and it's not every day that people can share something deep to their heart, such as almost dying. So I do want to acknowledge that. And I could relate very deeply because Aiden and myself, we always talked about being crippled by overanalyzing, like, paralysis by analysis, and, you know, because I feel like a lot of people that we had on this show, like Nick Belletto, he had a near-death experience, which prompted me to make a drastic change in life, and I've. I'm a Christian myself, and I call it divine intervention. It's like God slapping your face, like, wake up, this is it, you know? Yeah. Those moments with this universe, like Aiden said, whatever you want to call it, those omens and those moments happen throughout your life. But not everyone have the humility or whatever you call it to accept those signs. Of course, it took you, you know, a couple of signs to finally make that action. But it's powerful because you ultimately made a decision to make it happen right and a lot of people they just dwell and you know the other way to look at it is yeah sure you almost almost had a tune near that experiences that you could be like oh man life's not fair why is this happening to me you just bitch and dwell and your life could have actually gotten worse from that point yeah but rather you sure. decide to take a step forward take mm-hmm. that leap of faith and turn something that's unfortunate and traumatic to something positive which is a, I think a statement within itself mm-hmm. so i do want to highlight that and so i want to share a little story about that aiden knows about that i went through with my sister and my family recently so i'm an asian american so family and tradition for me is everything yeah like the two people i will die for without a hint of hesitation is my mom and my sister and my mom raised me and my sister single-handedly after the divorce all that she just sacrificed so much mm-hmm. but as an asian family there is that cultural barrier right because she comes from a lot of orthodox and traditional values and a lot of my personalities all my experiences i don't share that to my mom because she won't be able to quite understand and i don't want to bring that level of stress to my mom you know because she is very religious and all that so my sister she was involved in a very toxic relationship for two years Mm -hmm. and so Basically, I found out that her boyfriend, cheated on her twice. Uh-huh. And I found out through my friends and I did my investigation, my detective work, and I confirmed <laughs> those are true because I don't want to just listen to her say, she say, she's sick because I'm not psychotic where well, I want to break down my sister's relationship just because I have that big brother mm-hmm. complex. I'm a big brother where I want my sister to be single for the rest of her life. That's not realistic, you know? Yeah. And so after all that, I gave my sister the evidence and basically everything I could have done. And like we talked about earlier, feelings and about facts and Mm -hmm. my sister was in a toxic tunnel where she just wasn't really receiving anything yeah even though my sister and I, we've always been very close and she respects me very deeply Mm -hmm. and i appreciate that however love and relationship as we all can vouch to where a lot of times your friends or your close ones are the first ones who know something's wrong and they tell you because they care about you but because you're so uh, consumed in your first person view you're not quite understanding the outside perspective right and it's impossible for you to think outside of the box because box is so significant that you're in. So my sister didn't listen and she kept going back and I found and then so after I, I nagged, and I nagged, and nagged and I was using this diplomatic approach to tell myself, hey, so listen, this is not good for you. And I've dated a lot more girls than you have. And of course we're different. But I can tell you from my perspective, like, if you love me and if you respect me, if you believe that I want the best thing for you, I need you to listen this time you have to break up with them yeah at least listen Like yes. at least consider
2: what i'm saying I absolutely mean, i can't force you to do anything but just hear what i have to say yep. because you know it's uh, i care about you yep. yeah yeah dude i i, I totally get absolutely that. siblings yeah we, we shared that same yeah, thing yeah.
0: they had to tell me give me some hard yeah conversations too yeah. um but it's frustrating because she's like yeah i'll listen and then she's like yeah i'll break up with him mm-hmm. and then this was sometime in september which is a reason actually why i started to meditate because mm-hmm. i was so stressed out mm-hmm. i'm very unfaisable because of my experiences that who i am as a person i don't get phased a lot yeah because i don't care about a lot of things but mm-hmm. the few things i care truly deeply about they're the most like traumatic and significant stressors in my life and my sister is one of them because i care so much about her yeah and so she gave me a call out of blue i'm at work just. I had a great day I woke up I meditated I was like man today's like nothing but just you know fire I got a call from my sister Otter Blue. she's like oh I know we made an agreement that we tried to be transparent and have no secrets from each other mm-hmm. so like, here I am I'm telling you I'm back with my ex-boyfriends my day got ruined instantly it went from 10 to 0 real oh. quick and <sighs> oh, no. because the thing is after they broke up I tried the the harsh method I tried to be the har- hard love I tried to be the critic I tried to be supportive And I ran out of avenue to support her. I was like, she's not listening. Mm -hmm. So I tried the most drastic measurement I've ever had I shunned her out. I deleted her phone number from my phone. I blocked her from all social media. Uh I told my sister, point blank, verbatim Estelle, that's my name. I know you're listening. You know, this is for you, Estelle. Is that if you care about your boyfriend so much, you're willing to strain your relationship with your family because. Her relationship was affecting my family, and yeah. it, was, it was it was stressing my mom out. Right, and my mom gets stressed out very easily. Right. she's very highly uh, inducible by anxiety, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she was stressing me out, and I said, "If you're willing to do that for the family, then I can't do anything for you. So I'm going to shun you out. As long as you're with that boyfriend, I'm not going to see you again. Mm-hmm. You know, because my goal is that I really want to make that ultimatum for her mm-hmm. because I wanted to. I, I did it for her sake, and you know, it didn't work out really well. But the long story short, uh, we were able to talk it out, and a few months passed. You know, I went through meditation, and I went through a lot of mental transformation, and I was able to be more empathetic and towards her because I tried to put myself in her shoes a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I tried to take away my big brother complex, and I rather I'm going to talk to you from human to human, aside, detached from our family relationship, from the family hierarchies. I'm doing this for you, and then we agreed to meet up again a few months later. I I texted her. I was like, hey. You're right. I could I could die the next moment. You could die the next moment, and I don't want this to be the lingering regret that I have when I do die, if that happens. Of that's no, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, yeah. And so what happened is because Aiden and myself, we talk about every decision comes with intended and unintended benefits and consequences. Mm-hmm. And my intended benefit of the decision of shutting her out was to awaken her, mm-hmm. which didn't quite reach that level. Yeah. But the unintended benefit was she visited me in Philadelphia, and we spent all weekend just us two. We bonded aside from big brother, uh, little sister, but human to human right. has been a while with Estelle. Yeah. And because if I love her, I need to be able to embrace her wholesomely for who she is. And I had to accept all the flaws that comes with her. Exactly. And my sister told me aftermath that because of this toxic relationship that brought her so much closer with her with our mom. Mm-hmm. My, my sister told everything about her life, like all her habits, her partying, everything to my mom because they talked so much and it was such like a big stressor for my mom, it forced them to get closer. That's great. And it reminds me of what you did, where the intended benefit of going to Chicago just to, because you're like, I don't want to regret, but all these byproducts of amazing experience happened because of that, right? Yes. And none of these would have happened if you didn't take that leap of faith, take that first step. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's such a powerful idea that I wanted to highlight for everyone because The reason why Aiden and myself started this show to begin with because we we don't want to get crippled by our analyzing, thinking too much like, oh, what if people think we suck? Oh, there's so many podcasts because I've seen so many memes about it's like everyone has a voice, but not everyone starts to have a podcast or something like, please don't start a podcast with your friends. So there's a lot of criticism but this is our passion project and I, I live for these conversations. That's mm-hmm. the reason why we drove, or Aiden drove two and a half hours to visit you, you know? Yeah. And, but yeah, none of those would have happened without taking the first step, so I appreciate you sharing that story. Oh, no, dude, that's
2: fantastic. That's awesome. That reminds me of a similar thing that happened between me and my brother. It was just uh, different circumstances, you know? And um, what prompted, and you know, resentment, back to the idea of resentment and not being able to say things, uh, it was not long after I moved to Chicago that I was like wait a minute some things were just left unsaid and you know I just need to tell even though my brother knows this I just need to tell my brother that I love him and this is what I resented him for and because I was having that same day I was having all these like terrible thoughts like I felt like something bad happened for some reason you know I don't know where it, it was not it was unprompted you know I just was having these thoughts like Like, oh, crap, like, you you know, what if he died on the way to work today? Because I haven't heard from him, you know, and it just felt, I really felt weird. And and I started to think about, like, how terrible it would be if I just didn't wipe the slate clean with the person that I, like, love, like, more than anything. was, like, one of my brothers, you know, if I didn't wipe the slate clean with them before they passed or before I passed away. And I was like, you know what, I have to say this. And, you know, while I'm texting it, like, I'm tearing up because it was, like, it was just coming from my heart and, like, And it's, I think it's really, really awesome that like, you know, that experience is is worldwide. You know, everybody can experience that, that redemption of self when we like finally break free of whatever constraints we have and we connect with the person that we love. It's like, it's a beautiful thing. And, And and it's like a battle that you're winning like not only for you, but for the person that you're with. So like you're the person that you're you know, you love, so that's awesome. That's and it's
1: awesome. so much more difficult to make that first step, right? I feel like I'm noticing that in both of your stories. It's like all of that momentum that has to, I guess, be fulfilled or get generated to actually have that conversation. But mm-hmm. in both of your parts, like you didn't really give the punchline, but when you had that conversation, is it met with open arms or I guess it was. more yeah, yeah, more receptive. You build up this whole Fake story, I guess, of this is gonna be so bad, so many bad things are gonna happen. Then, when you went through Mm -hmm. open arms,
2: yeah, man, like it was, it was, it was kind of like a big weight, just like was released off my chest because, like, finally, me and my brother were on, like, even though, again, we love each other, we know that, but there's just things that just have to be put to light, you know, like that they have to be said, and if they're never said, it's just, there's just always that thing. That, that disingenuous monster that's sitting in the corner of the room that you never address and it's like am I too cowardly to address that you know am I am I like why am I scared to to say that thing or whatever it is and um yeah so it's 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 beautiful to be able to let that out I mean as hard as it is because sometimes it's really difficult especially if you're dealing with strong personalities or whatever but you know me and my brother are so close we have so many like weird synchronistic experiences like it's very 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 strange like the things that happen between us care to sh-
1: share I'll, a I'll, I'll share
2: for a one sake. We, I'll share one we had one really recently so I'm sitting um I so that this day it was like a Wednesday night I decided like I'm sitting on my bed. I'm I like decided to take my something told me to take my time. I'm like sitting there. I played get started to play guitar after work, and I don't play guitar after work. Never do. Uh, never never will. But I'm like I start playing guitar after work, and I start playing this song. Like I start, it's, It was all at once by Jack Johnson, and this song was something that me and my brother shared together, and like we our love for Jack Johnson has stemmed for several years, and it's just like what got me into playing guitar, and so. Uh, but that song means a lot to us as brothers like we shared that song and it's like a very sentimental song And I'm like sitting on the edge of my bed playing that song um, uh, For him really because like I was thinking about my brother the whole time and like I was really missing him for some reason um, And like I was actually started to like riff on like my own song afterwards And I was like singing lyrics to my brother that I was just making up off the top of my head and uh, Then like out of nowhere, I get this call from my dad and my dad was like hey um you still at work and I'm like no he's like well can you come to uh Wintrust No, they work uh Marie just got into a car accident uh you know she's okay but we need you to come pick us up so I I get there and uh you know everybody's fine and, but we have to wait for the tow truck and I'm just sitting in my own car and uh mind you if I just would have put my guitar down and went to jujitsu. I'd have been on the highway, never would have ever went to pick my parents up because I would have been in downtown traffic, never would have been able to get there. Um, so I'm sitting there in my car and like, uh, I called Trent first for some reason. We were just talking and then I call Quinn and, you know, we start talking or whatever. And he was like, he was like telling me, he's like, hey, you know, um, like I really miss you. Like uh, I was literally just, it was weird. It's like weird seeing that you're not, here anymore Um, because it feels like just yesterday that you were here and um, he said he went into my room and he was like just looking around he was like he was just kind of like man like it's crazy that he's gone he sat on my bed and he said he said that song was playing in his head while he was sitting on my bed thinking about me and he was like looking at the record player on the um, on my nightstand in there it says you know it's, uh, it's the Jack Johnson album but he was just thinking about all at once and he was just like if that song was playing in his head for some reason and uh he was like yeah dude it was like that was just happened like 30 minutes ago and I was like and I, I started like tearing up of, like that's like that's insane like I was literally on my bed 30 minutes ago playing that song thinking about you um and it was just it was just mind-blowing I was like so we have all these weird moments and you know the thing is if I wouldn't have sat there and played. Also, I never would have talked to him, and he never would have told me that. And it's so like my stepmom was so mad about getting into that car, like that simple car accident. I was like, "You're just an instrument of the universe. It was meant to happen." <laughs> <laughs> That's wow.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Christian, uh, thanks for sharing that. And I see a lot of commonalities between us in terms of community building, the family, and, and so on. So it sounds like throughout your whole life the sense of community has been like the core centerpiece in every aspect of your life whether it's your family the brothers the sisters the, the parents the basketball and the jiu-jitsu now and you talked about one of the highlights that you absolutely love and what created a sense of uh, belonging for you is jiu-jitsu community in Chicago Yeah. so I would like to learn a little bit more about like what, it, what that is like and what sense of community do you feel and what makes that community so special in your heart mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago sure so you know, when I got there, um,
2: it was, again, being in Chicago, going into a new gym, you're the new guy in the room again. And I'm still a white belt at the time. And I'm getting my ass beat by like everybody. I'm just getting smoked. I'm like, Oh, okay. So that's what a blue belt is. Like he's roasting me. And so it was, uh, it was just, you know, it's uncomfortable right out of the gate. But I trained there for, you know, nine months, and and Jay, who I really respect, he's like, he's an OG of jiu-jitsu, he's a third or fourth degree black belt, he trained under Carlson Gracie himself, for him to give me a blue belt, it just meant the world to me, because, like... I knew that I really deserved it and it's again what we were talking about earlier I mean the consistency within the jiu-jitsu community how tightly woven it is it's you're not getting a belt that you don't deserve no no matter where you're at 99.9 percent of the time so to me it, it meant a lot and then at that point it kind of felt like I was initiated into the fold it felt like I was really part of Like that group, I can't really explain it, you know, because you still feel like you have friends there in your community, but when you get, you know, promoted there and your, your, your work gets almost like validated by like the head honcho in the room, it means something to you and everybody else recognizes it and they're all like, hey man, well deserved, like that's awesome. And so you really feel like now that you're part of something uh that you're contributing to and that you're that you're a teammate with and you're like making the gym better and now you know now that you have now that i have a blue belt you know i i'm counted on to like you know during drills during uh, exercises i get paired with white belts you know what i mean and so i i I get to, like, teach my little portion to them and help them out with, like, the specifics of a move because not all the instructors are paying attention to all, you know, 60, 70, 80 people on the mat at the time. Uh, So it's, you know, you you become even more part of the group and it's, uh, yeah, dude, it it means a lot. Uh, I know know this gets mentioned on so many podcasts everywhere, but, and, you know, Sebastian Younger, when he came on the Joe Rogan Experience and talked about community and how people really need that sense of community in life to feel fulfilled I mean I can't I can't like speak enough to that I think that's so true and uh, you know we are not meant to be isolated you know I, I urge anybody I think you know if, if I have one thing to share if in life if you feel like alone you know if you feel like you don't have something like you belong to I urge anybody to get to get out into whatever community that they have and try to find something that they can connect with other people with, because it's it will provide you with relationships that you never expected, uh, experiences that that are not only uncomfortable, but they teach you very important lessons in life about like managing uh, your you know managing how you deal with people on a day to day. I mean, like a lot of people just come home from work and they sit on their couch and watch and play xbox you know and like i see that so much and like it breaks my heart because other like you know uh, I I feel like my life is exciting because I after work of sitting a nine to five job I get to go and train how to kill people in a padded room and it's fun but also like you know you talk to like your friends and you see how they're doing and like y- you never would have had those relationships if you never got out there and you just you just got on those mats and those relationships are beautiful man like they they teach you things and they provide you with like you know when you're lonely you have people to go to and like they're they're you know they they provide a some kind of pillar for you in your life especially like not everybody has brothers like me you know what i mean not everybody has a basketball team that they can just go hang out with so it's like i think it's very important for people that don't have those things to go seek them out because it will be the most fulfilling thing that you do
1: yeah i'm so glad you share that i mean we are habitually and biologically wired to be tribal social creatures right? And that's definitely a big experience that I've had in the last uh, year. I joined an ultimate Frisbee team, which is something that I kind of let uh, sit by the wayside a little bit. Um, But kind of going in, meeting entirely new people, we were blessed to come into a team that all knew each other, all super welcoming. But my one friend and I joined completely as the new guys, kind of obviously took that uh, initial couple months getting to know everybody, but invited us back for the next year. And it's just really... Uh, fulfilling to be a part of a community, a team, kind of have that team uh, dynamic and learn from people. So I think that's an awesome piece of advice that a lot of people should really hear. I think loneliness is so prevalent in today's society and that's a large part of it because people a lot of times consider the recovery and the self-care just bundle up and motor through, play Xbox and get things done, but really interacting with and learning from the people
0: around you i think is an excellent uh place to start yeah super well said for both of you guys and yeah, i think that's super relevant in today's age especially where instant gratification is so prevalent and you get everything instantly at the fingertips Mm -hmm. there's something about earning that place right because when you're the new guy in the block it's not given you're not accepted automatically you're like oh welcome you're a family now you have to earn that place that you talked about. Yeah. It's that, the validation of, I earned this, I worked at it, I had to socialize, I have to meet new people, I have to practice with them, get my ass beat, and like I talked about, it's it's about earning something, it's like, you're working for it, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's different from like farmers and stuff, but it's something you earn for, and it's not given by you, yeah. by default, so, yeah. I, it's a very powerful said. Yeah, you know, and also, the whole thing about communities is, you, you're
2: getting a lot, but also, I wouldn't underrate the value of just being able to give anything back. Like you're helping other people, like with whatever you do to contribute, whether it's a yoga class or it's just a community service thing or jujitsu or you go to a rec league. Like you become when you become friends with people or or whatever you you help them too. You help them and like you can be somebody that people can go to and and that's also fulfilling because if you're helping others and getting what you need, like. It's a
1: pretty good life, man. I, I I think that's really really important. So the power of service, it yeah. sounds like. Is yeah. that something that came into play at an early age? I guess we can come all the way back to family dynamics. Power to serve with your or with your uh, brothers and sisters. Yeah. Is that something that I guess was taught at an early age, kind of doing as much as you can for the other people?
2: Yeah, well my parents are giving people and you know, they kind of instilled that in us is it it helps it helps you when you give and it's uh, it's it's rewarding on so many different levels and really, you know, like that's it's weird. Like you do something very simple for somebody like a stranger you don't know, like sometimes you just receive this a giant emotional I don't know, a surge of like happiness and it's something that it doesn't really rival like that experience isn't rivaled by many things. When you do something random for some, like something kind for a stranger, I don't know, I don't know why, but it just, it's the best feeling in the world. So yeah, I mean, to give and to serve and just kind of be there for other people is, I don't know, I definitely think it's one of the most uh, important like one of the most important things that i've been putting here on this earth to to experience and to do is to help others and to serve as much as i can and you know we do that in little ways right i don't think that you can again help other people before you help yourself and like you shouldn't try to save the world you should try to save yourself first and i think a lot of those other things will come with that you know
1: yeah, the impact of it is undeniable. I mean, even it was two days ago, I'm walking to the gym, had kind of a stressful week, going down into the gym. Some lady just comes over and asks me how to get to the FedEx store. Mm-hmm. And instantaneously, it's like, I know where that is. It's down there on the left. And just like <laughs> that initial just helping someone out completely yeah. turned a mood around. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of the flip side of this um, is empowering others by asking them to do something for you. So I heard of this, I guess, concept, especially when... Um, I guess dealing with homeless people or people asking for money or just any kind of like begging sake of, hey, can you help me out? Just asking for charity in some way. But the most empowering thing you can do is say, all right, here's some money, but pray for me or do something small for me. That way they feel empowered to have some sort of purpose in giving back to you as well. That's awesome. Right. So it's like both sides of the coin. Give me prayer. (laughs) (laughs) You will give me prayer for this (laughs) five (laughs) dollars. But, you know, reciprocity, what you give out kind of comes back in things. So that was just, like, an interesting, like, mental shift I had on that idea of service of, you know, not only serving others but empowering them to serve you as well, which I think is a good lesson to be learned.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So, Christian, uh, as we're wrapping up here, we you know really want to thank you for being here and all the insightful advice you've given. It's been a powerful uh, journey, kind of walking through your story and all the lessons learned. So this is one question that we always save for the end. Say you're a coach or a teacher of some sort, giving lessons out to whether that's mentees or students or even just people that are in your shoes five years younger, call it a younger brother. Are there any big pieces of advice, uh, of lessons that you've learned that you'd really want to instill in them in their life journey? I think,
2: I think the one thing is, you know, embrace the conflict, embrace that unknown, whatever it is, because nothing in life stays the same. Um, we always have to deal with change. So we might as well roll with that change and become better with it instead of becoming worse. And uh, and with that, I think that a lot of people stick with their uh, mindset throughout life. I, I know we all know of people that have stayed the same for years and years and years. And I think one of the things is if you have the same opinions, the same ideas, and the same thoughts, and you do the same things you did 15 years ago or 10 years ago or 5 years ago, Like, what are you doing? You know, I I feel as though if you're never, if your beliefs never change, if your ideas never change, then you're not exposing yourself to new things and you're not making yourself uncomfortable enough. And you're not taking those leaps of faith and those, those, those uncomfortable first steps to something new and to those new perspectives or those new activities or those new places that you, that you want to go, but you just too afraid or too melancholy to go uh, try and get after. So I think that's the only advice that I have is, you know uh, challenge your ideas, challenge yourself, make that, do that thing that you know you should be doing, but you're not doing it yet. Because we all know what we're doing wrong. It's like, it's an intuitive thing. Like we might not know the specifics of what we should do, but we know what we shouldn't be doing most of the time and i think if we dedicate um our time and our attention to those positive things then uh, then most likely and those things that make us uncomfortable we might not know it might not be the perfect decision at first but it's better than um dedicating your time to doing the same thing that you've been doing for years or months or, or weeks and not you know and feeling as though you're wasting your time we don't have a lot of it, so.
0: Couldn't have said it any better, man. Thank nice. you. Very well said. It's up with your dad talked about change is the only constant. And the other thing I remember that you dashed right about is control the five inches between your eyes. So it sounds like your dad should be the next guest we have on the show because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he has ample amount of advice to provide. But with that being said, we really appreciate you giving us time for this. So what is next for you, Christian? What, is, what are the, some of the exciting journeys and opportunities that await? Uh, so... The next
1: thing
2: up for me is I think within the, uh, the next six months, I'm going to try to compete a few times and try to qualify for uh, Jiu-Jitsu Worlds. Uh, no Gi and or Gi, depending on, depending on uh, the schedule. So that is exciting for me, and I think, um, I, I think there's some promise there. So that's the biggest thing. You know. Other than that, still pursuing the IT career, uh, we're trying to me and the girlfriend are trying to move in together so yeah it's um it's all coming together you know it's it's all these steady changes it just comes a little bit a day at a time so yeah
0: yeah with that uh we want to encourage everyone that's listening to find something that's meaningful on top of your regular 95 jobs because like aiden and myself we started this to embark on our passion project and you're pursuing a serious pursuit of jiu-jitsu and that sprinkles a little more meaning into your life, which makes life so much more fun right? and unpredictable. So yeah, uh, we really appreciate you spending two hours with us on this day, and we wish you the best. And we will put your information in the episode information for anyone who wants to follow your journey to see your great debut in the Jiu Jitsu world in the future. (laughs) Well, thank you for your time, guys. I really appreciate you coming
2: out here. Um, It's been an honor to be on your podcast. Yeah, it's been great. I hope you guys have a wonderful holidays and a Merry Christmas and God bless.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And it would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared
1: this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.